have no idea the power that is Jesus Christ. All of that wind last night and all of that rain and all of that lightning was but the tip of your pinky finger in your power. And if we would just grab a hold of what we just sang, all hail King Jesus, that's all, everyone, all of creation, all of glory, hail the magnitude and the power that is the risen Christ. What it took to defeat death, to overcome sin, to come again and restore all of creation. That's power. Lord, may that power become ever more personal to us that we would live in it. That we would not live feeble faith, but that we would live powerfully. That we would live as people who have been called out. Called out of the boat to walk on the storms of this world, to cast out this prince of darkness, to to stop living in fear, to stop fighting the flesh in our own strength, to just trust you, to believe you are who you say you are, and you've done what you said you did to us. And Lord, let that be evident to a world that needs to see the way and the truth and the life for the fame and the glory of your name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the word of God. Romans seven fourteen through 25. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself or what I want to do, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, but I know that what I am doing is wrong. This shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Adam. Go ahead and have a seat and grab your Bibles. Open up to Romans chapter 7. It's where we left off last week. Last week I made this statement. If your faith is the battlefield where the word and the world wage war for your will. 
who's winning? This is the first talking points question, so it's our first discussion question. And before I ask for feedback, I want you to stop and think about your answer for a minute. How do you know who's winning? If our faith, everything we just have been praying about and and we've been um, confessing to one another and we've been singing to one another, if our faith is the battlefield where the word of God and the world are waging war for our will, are we going to believe? Are we going to do? Are we going to live out this Christian life? Who's winning? The word of the world. Who's, which voice is bigger in your head? And the question I really want to get feedback on is, how do you know? So I'm asking, how do you know who's winning that fight? I'm sorry? Okay, but, but that's awesome. That's true. It doesn't answer my question. The question is, how do I know if, the, if that truth in the word or the, what the world is saying is winning in my life? I have joy in my heart and I'm free of condemnation. Awesome. What else? My face shows it. My, the Bible calls that countenance, right? Is my faith. Am I actually showing it? Good. Anita. Okay, so don't, like, don't get caught up in how I feel about it. It's true whether I feel like it's true or not. Awesome. What else? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your talent? Like, where are you spending your treasure? Good. Yes. I'm sorry? By the fruit of the tree that you produce. That's really good. That takes me kind of right to where I wanted to go. Here's, here's what I love. Because if I would asked that, in fact, I probably did ask that same question like seven or eight years ago at our church, our answers would have been way different. You know how they would have been different? They would have focused almost entirely on behavior. How is it showing itself? And not in an inward like countenance way, but in an outward obedience way. Right, we we because our because often and, and so why I love where we where where God has taken us is it shows a level of spiritual maturity that your answers have to do with spiritual things and not physical behavior. Right, because our default tends to be to focus on like how do I know which one's winning by what I'm doing, and what we really ought to be focused on is what you guys were saying, how I like who I'm being. Am I being who Christ has just told me to be? Whether I feel like it or not, whether the world is telling me something different or not, whether my struggles are real, like I'm really in the middle of a struggle or not, am I just being? And, and ultimately, what that looks like for us, guys, is the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Like, and and I, this is on our church, um, our, um, church center app. I posted this uh, probably a couple weeks ago now. I'm not going to go through it all, but it's, it's something I pray through almost three or four times a week, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Guys, that's the fruit we should be producing. For, I, I understand that fruit can have, you know, a fruit is um, making disciples. Well, that's the Great Commission, and I understand that like, seeing people come to faith in Christ is, is, is fruit. But ultimately, for you individually, and even for us corporately, when he's talking about like how do we know if the word is winning, well, the answer is... It, what my sister just said. What kind of fruit is the tree producing? And the tree, the spiritual tree, God's tree, the fruit of the Spirit, are those things. Is your life, is your family, is, 
is this church known for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Is that what we're known for? That's how you know if you're winning or not. Honestly, are, is it, it's not, can I wrestle the deeds of the flesh together and, and get them under control? It's, am I just producing the fruit of the Spirit? That's ultimately what it's about. And that's where Paul is going to take us today. That's what Romans really is showing us. So, so we took a break from, from the series in Romans when we were in the summer series on, um, on God's space and just kind of engaging people with gospel conversations. But as we jump back in, we jump back into chapter 6, and we've been talking. So, we, so, we, so Romans starts out with the rejection of God's righteousness. Then Paul moved into the imputation or the application of God's righteousness. That was like chapter 5. And now in chapter 6 and 7, Paul taking this little aside and he's going but here's the but here's the reality i get it i get that chapter five in chapter five i just wrote we have peace with god and i get that in chapter eight i'm going to say that there's no condemnation for those in christ and i also get he's going to say from firsthand experience that we're a people stuck in this reality of wait a minute i have peace with god there is no condemnation but but i'm stuck here in this fight in this war and the war really is for who's reigning, who's in control. And so we looked at, um, we looked at the, the reign of the new master. That was the first message as we got back in the first part in chapters, uh, chapter 6, verses 12 through 18. And that really flowed out of chapter 6, verse 11, where he says, So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. Right? And, then we, and then we looked at how um, this new life has a new reign in it. And that was the last part of chapter 6. And, and that, and that we're, are we living in the old life or are we living in the new life? And it's, and it's um, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is new life in Christ Jesus. And now in Romans chapter 7, Paul has taken us like even deeper. He's saying, okay, so since we have peace with God, but, it doesn't, but, we're, but we're at war because there's this war of reigning, life and death in, in our lives. He's like, what does that really look like? Well, the first thing he did last week, we talked about rules that reign, and we looked at how, like, what part, part of what this whole Bible is for is to show us our need for Christ. And now today, what he's going to say, what he's going to show us is that, that, like, the war ultimately at its, at its heart is, who are you going to let control you? Which, which and, and here's what's interesting, he's going to say, which one of you is, are you going to let control you? Because we are a people caught between two kingdoms. You are partially transferred. You are partially a new creation. And you are also still stuck here. It's what Adam just read. It's what this passage is about. So the question we're asking today is, if we have Christ's righteousness, if we have Christ's righteousness, then what's with the war? Like if, if, if we really are made, and we are, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you are righteous. You are seen as right before God. You are seen as completely worthy before God. And yet, there is a real war going on. So, so what is with that? So we're going to look at three things that this passage is going to show us. This war between the willing and the doing is really between these two selves. This is our self that's been transferred and our self that's still stuck here. And then ultimately, Christ is the only one and he will deliver you. Like fully and completely. He's the one that partially transferred you if you're in Christ, and he's the one that will fully transfer you eventually. So let's jump into the passage, and these points are going to move hopefully fairly fast as we go into a, a time of response. I want to make sure we have plenty of time to, to respond to what Paul is telling us today. And so we're going to pick it up 
in chapter 7, and we're going to pick it up in verse 14 with our first point. What is this, the war between the willing and the doing? Now look at what he says. For we know that the law is spiritual. We talked about that last week. And I am of the flesh. So it's these like two kingdoms, the spiritual kingdom and then this physical kingdom. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do, now if I do what I do not want to do, so he's saying, if in my flesh, this one down here, I do what my renewed mind doesn't want to do, that, that spiritual part of me, remember Romans 12, 2? It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's like, be, be transformed down here, be transformed continually by remembering who you are up here. And he goes on to say, so he says, um, so he says in verse, um, in verse 16, now if I do the very thing I don't want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. It's what we talked about last week. So now it is no longer I who do it, does it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. He's saying this broken part of me is still broken. It's part of this fallen world. For I have the desire in my, I know I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do what I want, but, but the evil I do, I don't want to do, I, or the evil I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells in me. Guys, here's what I, part of what I love about the Bible. Whether it's Paul here, or David in, in the Psalms, or I mean, all, really frankly, all of them, except for Daniel. Like, the Bible is so messy. Like, this is the man that was used by God to do more gospel good in the world than any human being who has ever lived. And 20, this isn't like when he was a baby believer. 20 years into his walk with Jesus. Mo, you've been walking with the Lord for a few years. This brother's been walking really closely with God for 20 years. And he's going, I still don't do what I know I'm supposed to do. I just take such comfort in that. I do. I mean, the Bible does not sugarcoat the reality, and I love that. It doesn't point out, hey, here's a whole bunch of perfect people. You know, they came to faith in Christ, and Christ made them perfect down here. No, he made, them per he made us perfect up here, and someday we'll be perfect when the, here, when the down here and the here come together. But we got to keep going. Guys, so... So how, how does that work, though? Like, like, wait a minute, what about all those things about that you're dead to sin and alive to Christ? What, like, like, how do those realities work? And you just have to constantly keep reminding ourselves, and it's why I keep saying it, we are a people caught between two kingdoms. We are in the space between the already and the not yet. We have already been redeemed. We have already been um, saved. We are already justified, but we are not yet fully what we will be. And that is just a thread that runs throughout Scripture. Like, you, you, like when, you, when, when that reality of the space between the kingdoms, like where we're living as, as saved people, become like you start to really embrace that, you will read the New Testament completely differently because you'll start to see like here's here's like here's how it's connecting these two things into into my reality now and and if you're not a believer it won't make any sense to you because you can't understand the stuff that it's talking about that's up here and that's why it doesn't make any sense to you so <coughs> excuse me um so why is this a struggle here's the why it's a struggle like why do we have this fight why are we in this war the willing and the doing because our flesh has a memory Right? Ultimately, just, re just remember that. 
the reason you continue to strike. So I, 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 was a, I was really, really good at practicing sin for the first 24 of my 53 years. That when I got saved, my flesh didn't just forget how to sin. It remembered. Oh, by the way, the world, that's the, that's the world's system, what I was living in. It wants to keep reminding me of how to sin better. And then, oh, by the way, the enemy, Satan, wants to keep whispering in my, my ear too. That's why there's a war. But guys, understand this. You may hear this a few times this morning. The fact that you're in a war proves you're his. Sinners, and when I say sinners in this context, I just mean the not yet saved, the not yet redeemed, those that are not yet born again. They don't struggle with sin. I did not struggle with sin as a 23-year-old, complete, God-mocking atheist. I ran into sin full speed, right? The fact that you're in a war should be a celebration in a sense, as frustrating as it is. And that takes us to our second talking points question. So look at your second talking points question. Do, do you sense a struggle between what you know to do and what you actually do? And I just want to stop there for a minute. Do you sense that struggle? In other words, like, 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 so if you sense that, guys, if you struggle with, I know what the right thing to do is according to God's word, but I still struggle to do it, raise your hand. Some people got two hands up. I love that. Right? Guys, seriously, we're in, I mean, if your hand's not, here's, if your hand's not up, there's only two reasons. One, you're saved and you're, and you're too proud, and God will humble you in that space. Or two, you're not saved, so you're not in the struggle. And so, we're going to pray for, to, for both of those situations at the end of our time today. And then it says, And does it seem strange to you that you wrestle with the conviction that, that the wrestle and conviction of the Holy Spirit is actually a good thing? And, and in the interest of time, I'm not going to take feedback on what, but here's, here's why I think it's strange for us to see the presence of the war, the battle, the struggle, as weird, as, as not good. We see it as negative, and we ought to see it as positive. Because frankly, like just, just as one example, we parent that way. I parent, I parented my three daughters very performance-oriented for much of their life. Right? And so for me, my, my thing was get rid of the bad behavior, right? And, and then I'll feel like I'm winning as a parent. So anytime I see bad behavior in them or in me, I see that as losing. What I should be parenting, what I finally got around to parenting in was, but what is your, I don't see any repentance in you. Like, I don't see a conviction of the Holy Spirit in you. I don't see the wrestle. Like, you're being mean-spirited, and you don't seem to care. That's what we need to talk about. Because that's the fight between the kingdoms. These people down, like, like little sinners and old sinners, they don't care if they're being mean-spirited. The whole world is full of mean-spirited people. The other thing is, guys, we're really, really good. And this is true for Christians. Probably, more, sadly, more true for Christians. We're really good at judging each other. We are really good at scorekeeping. At least I'm better than that dude. I get to church way more often than he does. I, you know, like, like we, we just we do it all the time. And because of that, we, we, we look and we start going, well, I, I'm like... If, if, if I'm judging these other people, I start to feel better about myself wrongly, but it's all performance. Are you actually 
are you actually talking about or, or, or addressing or having conversations with their heart? Or are you just talking about, here's what I see them doing or not doing, and, so this, and, and I'm going to measure what I'm doing or not doing based on that. And I think that's a huge reason that we, um, that we struggle with seeing it as a, as a victory. But here's the last reason, and here's the biggest reason. We misunderstand shame and guilt and conviction and Christ's identity. We, in the body of Christ, we have, we have married those concepts. We see guilt and conviction as the same thing. They are not. The Holy Spirit does not guilt you into anything. Right? He does not sh- God is not in the business of shaming you into repentance. God is in the business, through his Spirit, of convicting sin. It was read today during our prayer time. Or no, it was, re- it was re- um, Sean read it in John, was that 16 or 14? 16. So it was, he's re, during our prayer time, is he, the Holy Spirit will convict us, but we have to really start to learn what's the difference between conviction and shame, right? And, and, that, and that is an ongoing wrestle because the enemy is really good at shaming us but making us think we're convicted, right? And, and that's part of what we have to get away from. And that brings us to our second point. So if, if what's, with the, what's with this war? Well, if the war between the willing and the doing is really this war between our two selves, the already redeemed and the not yet fully restored person. That's, it's, it, like, some of your Bibles in the pericope, that's the little, the little t- high titles between sections of your Bible that, that the publishers insert. Some of them might actually say two natures, right? And, and what they're talking about is sort of the spiritual nature and the fleshly nature. I, I don't particularly care for that term. It's not that big a deal to me. I, I like to think of it more like we are, two, we are citizens of two kingdoms, all, we, th- th- we, are, we are in some way schizophrenic because we are already citizens of the heavenly kingdom, but we're still citizens of this kingdom. And so, what he, so let's look at uh, the next couple of verses and we'll see how Paul says that. So I find, it, I find it to be a law, or I find this principle in me, that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, that's his way of saying in my soul, But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. So he's saying, I I see in my members, that's his way of saying flesh. So he's like, I I know in my inner soul what's right, but in my flesh it's waging war against that, and I'm taking captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So he's saying, hey, I'm struggling because I'm a person caught between these kingdoms. Guys, Peter says it this way. He says in, Peter, in 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, just write it down if you want to, but he says, he's writing to the church, and he says, to those elect exiles. He's saying, elect, you're transferred, but you're exiles down here. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2.19. He says, you were once enemies of God, strangers of God, but you are now current, present tense. He's talking to living people then in Ephesus, and he says, but you are now partakers with the saints he's he's saying that some part of you is already up the saints were the dead people who'd gone to be with the lord and he's like somehow you're already partaking with the saints that's the 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 hard part guys what we have to constantly constantly remind ourselves of is that is that we have a real presence in both realities but this reality just feels more real right it just does it's easier for us to imagine and to live in and deal with the physical right 
but, but the part of you that has already been restored, reborn. And guys, by, by the way, I know I do this. Like, it's not up there. It's in here. Right? There's a, like, like, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the living God and that the Holy Spirit from God dwells in you? That's this part of you in here. So I'm doing this for visual sake, like the two kingdoms, so we get this concept. But ultimately, you are walking around as two people right now. There is the redeemed Kendall, and there is the not yet restored Kendall. And she is one and the same person with two citizenships. That's ultimately what Paul is trying to tell us right here. Guys, take a, turn to Revelation. I'm going to take the time and do it. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. I'm going to... Yeah, people, with kid, people without kids say that. Uh, um, Revelation, Revelation, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 12, and I want to show you, because I think some of you aren't really fully bought into this whole like, idea of like, dual citizenship and two kingdoms, because you're either your theology has either gotten you so wrapped up around, like I'm a new creation and, all I, and, and, I'm, and that's, all, that's all that's left of me, or you're stuck down here going, I still got to work my way up there. Guys, revelation, the word revelation is apocalypto, right? It just means unveiling. We, when I taught through Revelation in 2019, you can go back and see that. It is an unveiling. That's what revelation means. It's not an unveiling. Guys, get this, get this, get this. It is not an unveiling of a timeline. It just isn't. Get over it. There's stuff in there that is time sensitive. I'm not saying that. That's not what revelation is for. It is a, guess what it's a revelation of? The reality of the two kingdoms and the one who connects them. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's how he says it. And so it's who he is, what he's done, and how these two kingdoms interact. Now, how do I know that? Because in the middle of what some people would see as the storyline or the timetable, all of a sudden we get this glimpse of something that happened way back in time. What's, going to happen, what's happening here is John gets a glimpse of when Satan rebelled and was cast to earth. So look at chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I'm sorry, verse 7. It says, now war arose in heaven. Remember we're talking about a war? Because it's not, we're not the only ones in the war. Our brothers, the angels, that have not, the, the not fallen angels, they're in a war too. With the rebellious angels. Now war, now war rose in heaven. Michael, he's one of the, the two chief angels that's mentioned. And he says, and his angels fighting against the dragon, that's Satan, was known as Lucifer, one of the actual three chief angels apparently. There was Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer, the only three that are really named. And it says, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, and the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of this world, he was thrown down from this kingdom to this kingdom, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, now get this, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of our Christ has come, and the accuser of our brethren have been thrown down, who accuses them night day and night before our God and and get and get this and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony our testimony is not look how good I'm doing our testimony is our, our testimony is look how good God is 
Our testimony is not, I'm, I'm, my morality is increasing, or I'm more moral than those people. Our testimony is the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the word of the testimony. The word of the testimony is the gospel. What is the gospel? Christ died for you. That's the word of our testimony. That's the only way we overcome. We do not overcome by how we live. We think of testimony as how we're walking this out. He's saying, what are you testifying to? I'm testifying to the fact that Jesus Christ came, died, and rose again for me, and I've claimed him as my Lord and Savior. That's my testimony. Take me for what I am. I am a, I am a struggling saint who still sins. Deal with it. Because he already has. That's what we have to remember. We have to remember our identity, guys. And that leads us to our last talking points question. So where are you on this idea of being caught between two kingdoms? Perhaps you've, you've not yet been redeemed. Like, you're still own, like you don't even know what this kingdom is. Guys, we'll, we'll give you a chance to respond here in a little bit. But I want to encourage you to speak to people during that time after the service. Let's talk about this kingdom thing. Um, it says, or perhaps you're losing hope. Maybe you know your trip, but you're losing hope in your future restoration. Guys, I get that this life is hard. I get that there are people that are really struggling. Here's the thing. So did David. Psalm 51, the, the calling passage that RJ read. So does Paul. Guys, why does God spend so... We've, just, we've spent four weeks, two chapters, talking about this war. Why? Because it's real and it really matters and God knows it, right? And, and we just have to, we have to get old, like we just have to recognize that we're in it and praise God for it. I get that it's hard, so did Paul. And then it says, maybe you just haven't given it a lot of thought, but here is the key and I want you to listen to this. We will move closer to the one, the kingdom, the one, that's the kingdom, we look at the most, if you're caught up in social media down here and what's going on in this world down here, and, that, and I would say that includes politics and that includes the economy. I mean, if you're sitting there watching your ticker on whatever financial channel you're on, I don't do that because, one, it would, be, it would suck the joy out of my life until I had no money. But, but, I mean, no money in the market or anything anyway. But, but if that's what you spend your time doing, you, this, all you're doing is this. And I watch that happen to Christians all the time. And they're wringing their hands going, oh, no, what's going to happen? My, watch, look at how my 401K is dropping. And what am I going to do? And I'm only this far from retirement. And what goes, none of that is biblical, right? No, it just isn't. But, guys, I, I, I want to step back. And I, I know I might step on some toes. But, but it's the same thing with, guys, if, if what you're focused on all the time here is the spiritual warfare that's going on down here, it's real. We need to deal with it. We need to, but if that's your focus, guys, like you're focused on Satan and his demons and, and, and that's what your deal is? Guys, get this. Where is he? We just read it. Where is he and the demons? What kingdom are they in? This one. You are by definition looking around. Because that's where he is. Right? The only solution to any of it, what's going on in our government, what's going on in our economy, what's going on in the spiritual warfare, is the power that comes from on high. And what we fixate on, write this down. I know I say it all the time. I want you to write it down every week. What we fixate on, we migrate towards. What we fixate on, we migrate towards. And that includes worldly things. That includes sinful things like pornography. That includes 
things like the economy or, or, or your, your family even. Guys, what we fixate on, we start to migrate towards because that's what we're worshiping. And moment by moment, we are all worshiping something or someone. And so my challenge to you would be address those issues, recognize those issues, call out those issues, whatever they are, whether they be worldly or satanic or what, and then quickly get to Jesus. Quickly get to the power of Christ. And that brings us to our last point. So if we have Christ's righteousness, what's with the war? One, this whole willing, this, this war between the willing and the doing, right, is this, is, is this war between ourselves, these two parts of ourselves, but Christ will deliver you. We're going to go back to Romans 6 and we're going to, I'm going to go back to Romans 6, I'm sorry, Romans 7, and we're going to finish up with our last couple of verses. So, so I, I, again, I love just the reality and the rawness of, of the Apostle Paul. Look at, he says, wretched man that I am. Guys, remember, 20 years into his walk, this is not a baby believer here. And oh, by the way, it's not just an average walk. Right? This is a man who walked with the Spirit like few people ever did. And he's going, and that man, he's as, he's as transferred as you can get down here, is what I'm guessing. That man says, oh, wretched man that I am. Not that I was, that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? The word deliver there actually means rescue. And here's the beauty of it. In the Greek, it means to draw to yourself. It's not rescue like snatch out of. It's not rescue like, like break into a prison and just snatch. It's, it's rescue them by drawing them to you. Does that not sound like Jesus? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. So he's saying... Thanks, and then he gives us the answer. Praise the Lord, and we'll get into more of the answer next week. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, my, my renewed self, but with my flesh I still serve the law of sin. Guys, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Last place I'm going to have you turn. Go to the right of where we are. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We're gonna, about to go into our time of response here in just a minute, but it says, for the word of God is the word, that's the logos, that's the message of God, it's the same word John uses in John chapter 1. For the word of God, that's Jesus, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing from the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, of discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, so he's saying, like, our, like, the word of God is our spiritual compass. That's how I described it last week. And no creature is hidden from his sight. That's how we know he's talking about Jesus in verse 12. Because he transitions the pronoun from an it to a him, and he never changes the thought. So he's saying, and no word, creature is hidden from his sight, because Jesus is the word. By all, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom they must give an account. But guys, we need to keep reading. Look at what it says in verse 14. Since, you have such, since we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. So he is, he's the only one who's ever come down here, lived, died, and punched a hole back up there. Physically. Not just, I mean physically. Not just spiritually, but physically. He did it. Only one. It's like because we have that as our great, that person as our great high priest, 
Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What is our confession? Our confession is our testimony. Our testimony is the gospel. Jesus died for you. He says, for we do not have a high priest that is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now get this. So because that's true, because the word of God is left here as our compass, because Christ has come and accomplished, has already transferred us partially into this new kingdom, he's like, let's with confidence, or some of your translations might say, so let's boldly approach the throne of grace. We don't need to cower to God. I'll get back there in a second. That we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of help. Guys, understand the enemy wants you to hide. He does not want you boldly coming to the throne of grace. He, from, the, from, the, from the time in the garden when Adam and Eve rebelled, they hid from God. And that's what the world is doing. The world is in, a, is in the business of hiding from God and, they, and most of them don't even know it. But you might be sitting here saying, yeah, but Doug, you don't know. You don't know what I did in my past. You don't know what I did today before I got to church. You don't know how I spent last night. Because I get it. Like I do. I, I get that some of you are so stuck. Because the enemy and your flesh and this world are so good at whispering shameful things to you, to make you feel shame. God is not in that. Guys, the person who wrote what we're reading in Romans, this was not theory to him. In Acts chapter 13, there's a little, little thing, Acts 13, I think it's verse 1, it says, God speaking to the church in Antioch, it's a little town up north of Jerusalem. It's before the gospel went forward, before the gospel went out to all the globe. He says, God says, set, set for yourself, for my purposes, two men, Barnabas and Paul. They're going to go take the gospel to the world. And, God, and Paul starts going to places like Ephesus and, and eventually Rome and sharing the gospel. Do you know why there was a church in Antioch? Because this dude named Saul was persecuting Christians. And as they were stoning Stephen to death, Acts chapter 7, 8, 8. When they were stoning, no, so after 7, I think, and then into 8. Paul, this guy, says, hey, I'll hold your coat so you can wind up a little harder. And they fled to Antioch. Now, get, now why, why does that matter? Guys, get, get the mystery of God's plan. God uses the church in Antioch that was started because a man named Saul is killing Christians to send out the man who does more for Christianity than anybody in the history of the world. Our God is sometimes hard to fathom. He is sometimes hard, it's hard sometimes to connect the dots. Because my guess is, neither Saul nor the Christians in Antioch were big fans of that plan at the time. And yet, God is faithful. Guys, are you tired? I'm I'm, here's where I'm at. I'm just sick and tired of living in the guilt and the shame. I am. I mean, I've been, I have been preaching to myself. Paul's, Paul's Philippians, it was one of the last letters he writes. He's in prison. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Even then, 10 years after he writes Romans, I, guys, he's like, guys, I don't think I've achieved it yet. 
Even 10 years after, oh, wretched man that I am. He's like, guys, I'm still not there. But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the upward call of Christ, of, of, to glory in Christ Jesus. Like, like, guys, that's the process. Forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, look up. But I, I understand. I'm going to show you a really quick demonstration. I think it'll go, because, because I get that some of you are so wounded. Some of you are so hard. You look like this sponge, right? And I'm, it, it, like it's, it's just nasty. And, and it's because for, the, for years to protect your heart, you have hardened it and hardened it and hard, I get it. I, but here's the problem. The Holy Spirit, here's my little Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has a hard time getting in to hearts like this. And, and guys, I'm, I'm talking like you can be a believer and harden your heart towards the things of God. Just talk to Asaph, right? When a, when a sponge, and I don't know if you can tell the difference now, but when a sponge has been soaking in the Holy Spirit, it does a much better job of collecting of being of soaking in the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? But, but too many of us in this, guys, too many of you are stuck. You're just backed up. It's a nice word for constipated. Spiritually. Because this is you. Honestly. Like, this is you. And, and yet, guys, even that person, as dry and as hard as, as, as all those years of shame and I'm going to hide from God and I'm going to hide from others and I'm gonna, because I don't want anybody to know this sin in my life and I don't want anybody to know that I, because if, if anybody ever really knew the real me, they would not love me. If God really knew the real me, he would not love me. Guys, understand this. You have to know that you know that you know that God knows everything about you. Whether you're already Christian or you're, or you're just a struggling, kind of dried up, Hard, hardened believer. God knows, he knows you fully and completely. And he loves you deeply and unrelentingly. And he will just keep pouring and pouring and pouring until, if you'll let him, until you just receive and hold. Where are you right now? Like, spiritually, what do you look like? I mean, has, has the world just wrung you out? Like, I get it, guys. I do. I, I understand that this I have had, not, not when I was a I mean, like, just a few years ago, I've had seasons where I'm Elijah going, it is enough now, Lord, take my life. Like, literally, take my life. It's a war. It is. God knows you're in it. I'm going to have Emma come up, and she's going to get ready to lead us. I think the whole music team might be coming up. I don't know. Lead us in a, in a song of response in our time of communion. As she does that, I'm going to ask you not to sing yet, but to just sit and reflect. And here's what I want you to reflect on. The words of the song are based on Psalm 139. Guys, Get this. 
every time you ridicule yourself, like you're beating yourself up, you're feeling guilt and shame, you're doing one of two things. One of two things. You are either saying, God, you made a mistake. Or you're saying, Christ, your sacrifice on the cross was not sufficient. One of those two things. Either you're like, you made a mistake with my life, or, Christ, your death on a cross does not cover the mistakes that I've made. And both of them are just not biblical. In Psalm 139, he says this. This is David writing. O Lord, search me and know me. You, have, you know me when I sit down. You know me when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it. But then he goes on and he says, now get this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I, guys, he's speaking to you. Guys, can you stop passing out the trays for a minute? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it's just really distracting people. I, one, two, three eyes on me. He's talking to you. You. Jeremy, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, brother. You are. Because every person who's ever lived is fearfully and wonderfully made. It's just that most of the world doesn't know it. And most of the world will die never knowing it. But it doesn't make it any less true. And our struggle in this fight, in this war that we're in, is that we can so quickly forget that, oh, by the way, continuing on, and you have seen my unformed substance, and in your book, this is God speaking to you, in your book, there was written for me all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one. Guys, God is never up there going, I did not see that coming. Man, if I had known Doug was going to do that, I never would have saved him. On my best day, he is God. And on my worst day, he already knew it, and he is God. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Father, I just come to you right now, Lord, and I thank you for the truth. I thank you for the truth that, that we are your people fearfully and wonderfully made. That we, that we are a people stuck, caught in the already but not yet as believers. And we live in a world that is full of people that, 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 have, that have no part of them looking up. Lord, I want to pray right now as, as people's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. I want to pray that if there are people in this room... That if there are people in this room that, that just need to be saturated in the Holy Spirit, maybe that's for the first time in their lives, or maybe that's just because they feel like that dried up sponge, I want to pray right now that they would be bold enough to raise their hand. They would say, I, I just need to be reminded. I need to be reminded of the goodness of my God. And I pray that as we have this time of response, Lord, that they would do whatever you would lead them to do, whether that be 
put a card on the cross or on the prayer wall or go to the back of the room and, and be prayed for. But I pray that, that you would speak to us in these next few moments in a real, in, like just like that, that our hope that the Spirit would so do a work in our spirit that we would remember or maybe for the first time in our lives come to know that we are children of God in Jesus' name.